JD Talking Sports, Thursday, February 2nd, 2017, Groundhog Day. Puxatani Phil saw his shadow. Six more weeks of winter. Super Bowl Sunday, this Sunday. Pitchers and catchers report in 12 days. Who knew? Wow. All right. Isaac, I'm sorry. I have to get to this right away. Now, this is an older story. I want to thank Jessica Mazzola from NewJersey.com. Kenwith, New Jersey, which is near me. 12-year-old Sydney Phillips. Now, she's a student at St. Teresa's School in Kenilworth. Now, her dad received an email from his attorney containing a forwarded message from the Archdiocese of Newark's lawyers, Newark's lawyer, Wednesday night. Now, this is the story. Her girls' basketball team was disbanded, so she wanted to play on the boys' team, and they wouldn't allow her. And they sued. Well, now she's been kicked out of school. So she gets his email. Their dad gets an email on Wednesday. It referenced a letter from superintendent of schools delivered to the family's house. Now, Sydney, nor her younger sister, Caitlin, should be coming to the St. Teresa School tomorrow morning or any day thereafter. How about that? You're talking about a 12-year-old kid who like, just wants to play basketball. That's all she wants to do. Now, Phillips hadn't even been home Wednesday and had not seen the delivered letter from the superintendent of the Catholic school. He, he said he was sh- in shock over the email. He said, I'm upset. I'm disgusted. I mean, it's, I, I was stunned. Then this started last year. The school said no girls basketball team. Then Sydney, and this is Sydney, had been the star player on the girls team the year before, was told she couldn't play for the boys team. And her family said, hey, you know, we're going to sue for the right. Now, with Superior Court of January sided with the school that the a decision the family is appealing. Well, it really doesn't matter because the school kicked her out. Now, Jim Goodness, what a great name, a spokesman for the Archdiocese of Newark, declined to comment on the matter Wednesday night, saying, you know, he couldn't speak on individual student matters. <laughs> And the email did not detail why Sydney and Caitlin, a fifth grader, sisters of fifth grader, were not welcome back at the school. But the family speculated it has to do with the ongoing legal battle. Now, this is the thing. Scott Phillips said his family a long history with the school and St. Teresa's Church. He and his wife have been married in the church. All three of the children were baptized in the church. And their son, Brian, graduated from St. Teresa's last year. And Phillips said of his daughters, they did nothing wrong. And, and this is the church. This is the archdiocese. He said they should be ashamed of themselves. They should be ashamed of themselves. Now, he said Wednesday he was unsure if the family would fight to have their kids, you know, their daughters, allowed back into school. I mean, wow. And my father was the one who told me about the story. Now, I remember reading about it, but I just read it again. So what if she wanted to play on the boys' team? You know what? Let her play. It's a 12-year-old kid. You know why they didn't want her to play? She was probably better than all of them combined. That's what probably happened, right? Yeah. R- ridiculous. And uh, my old... Now, I went to American for a couple of year, years, and we were in the Colonial Athletic Association, the CAA. Well, their tourney this year, the tournament, the CAA tournament, is going to have uh, some seating issues because of improper basketballs. Yes, the flake gate comes to women's basketball. Thank you, Graham Hayes from ESPNW.com. They are, on Thursday, today, they reversed the outcome of two women's basketball games involving the College of Charleston because the school used some improper basketballs. They said uh, <laughs> reversals will only apply to the seating for the conference tournament. 
This is this is because according to the NCA, the situation did not meet the criteria necessary for an official forfeit or no contest. Now, a forfeit would have meant the score would have been the score would have been recorded as two nothing, and all statistics would have been voided. Now, the results affected are the College of Charleston's seventy to sixty win over against William and Mary on January sixth, and a seventy six thirty seven win against UNC Wilmington on January eighth. These were improperly sized basketballs. But they wouldn't confirm that men. men's basketballs were used in place of women's basketballs. They, they didn't give specifics. Now, listen to this. Section 16, Article 8 of the NCAA Rules for Women's Basketball Equipment states that the circumference of the basketball shall be within a maximum of 29 inches and a minimum, minimum of 28 and a half inches. I didn't know that. And also, Article 9 states that the weight of the ball sh- shall not be less than 18 ounces or more than 20 ounces. So basically, let's keep it at 19. Now, men's basketball, maximum is 30 inches and a minimum of 29 and a half inches for circumference and between 20 and 22 ounces for weight. Now, basketballs for all NCAA, NCAA games are supplied by the home team. Now, the College of Charleston regrets this unintentional situation occurred. College of Charleston Athletic Director Matt Roberts said in a CAA re- release, you know, of they're going to take full responsibility and they appreciate the efforts of the conference office to find an amicable and, of course, a fair resolution to this matter. And, of course, you know, we fully support the decision as it relates to the two games in question. Blah, 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 blah. And it's funny, the CAA website still lists, lists uh, College of Charleston's conference record at 3-6 as of Thursday, reflecting the wins against William & Mary and UNC Wilmington. And it's funny, William & Mary, William and Mary's official record is 3-5 and five in conference, 13-6 and six overall. And UNC Wilmington's is three and six in conference, eight and twelve overall. I'm like, okay, but I, I like this. This is like a little deflate gate, or maybe they're, re- but they don't say exactly what it was. But improperly sized basketballs, things are going crazy, huh? Got a new president in office, and things are going chaotic. Actually, they were always here. And then uh, I read today that two high schools in New Jersey, there was a African a school with a predominantly African American players. They used the term ashy knees during the game. I was like, "Oh, that's classy. That that that's that that just that just reeks of." I'm I'm not surprised by any of this, to be honest with you. I'm not. I I'm I'm really not. I mean, kids say kids kids are nasty. Kids are nasty to each other. They've always been nasty to each other. Ooh, and Deshaun Watson winks at the Jets. He's receptive to starting his career with the embattled franchise. All right. I wouldn't mind coming to New York. Biggest market. Why not? Why not? Well, the thing is the Jets have him at six, and I don't think he's going to drop to six. No, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it'd be nice, but I don't think it will. No, I don't think it is. Yeah, Ashy Knees. A New Jersey high school crowd was caught on camera making racist taunts. The Jefferson High School crowd chanting Ashenese when an African-American player from local rival Dover High School. And one of the fans said that uh, their intent was disrespect, not to promote the country as a whole. Michael Moore, a parent of a Dover player, told the New Jersey publication he felt the crowd's aim was to insult Dover, a town that is large, that is large Hispanic and African-American population. Nice going, Jefferson. Jefferson won the game 69-41. Nice. 
and they had a Jefferson a superintendent said they had an American thing was chosen for the student body weeks before the game. Game was supposed to be against Madden Lakes, and now it was against Dover. Two Dover parents made inflammatory remarks to a Jefferson student wearing a Trump shirt. Also, they were saying "build the, build the wall." Kids were yelling. Not you know, good school spirit makes it makes me proud to be an American when I read stuff like that. All right, now Tim Rohan. I know probably you've heard this story with Putin and Robert Kraft. 2005. This was the summer 2005. This was after the Patriots had beaten the Eagles 24-21 in Jacksonville in the Super Bowl. Now, it was the third championship in four years. Kraft had his ring, 124 diamonds, weighed more than four ounces, and cost about 25K. And he didn't wear it. He had it in his pocket. He took out the ring, put put it on and admired it. And Putin told Kraft, I could kill somebody with this ring. And Kraft shot back, you know, Mr. President, you're a black belt in karate. I don't think you need the ring to kill anybody. Now the photo op ended, and then Putin took off the ring, put it in his pocket, and walked walked away surrounded by three KGB guards. Kraft said, Kraft was shocked, called his son, you're not going to believe what happened. Now the Russian media reported the incident. Word spread uh, back home. They didn't want an international incident. George W. Bush's White House reached out to Kraft said, hey, let, let him have it as a gift. He released a statement. He said, you know, um, at this point, I decided to give him the ring as a symbol of respect and admiration that I have for the Russian people. You know, Kraft said, hey, I have ancestors in Russia. And he said, it, you know, it was added significance that here this, this, this ring will now reside at the Kremlin along with other special gifts given to Russian presidents. And the story went away until 2013. You know, Kraft had retold it at awards events in New York, but he but he'd been telling the real story among friends for years at dinner parties. But then all of a sudden, he decided, you know, I have an emotional attachment to the ring. You know, I kind of want it back. And there was an annual economic forum in Saint Petersburg, Russia. You know, someone asked Putin about the story. He says, you know, I remember neither Mister Kraft nor the ring. Okay, but then he said, if it's so, you know, means so much to Kraft. You know, I have a proposal. He goes, I'll ask our firms to put together a really good big thing so everyone will see what an expensive thing it is with good metal and a stone so we pass from generation to generation in the team. And three years later, that really big thing still hasn't made it back. How about that? Putin puts it on, puts it in his pocket, and then, well, that's a good politician. That's a very good politician. Yeah. I thought, I thought those were interesting stories. Now, a little more Jet story. Jets have a new running back coach. Stump Mitchell used to play NFL player. Bowles actually worked with him on Bruce Arian's staff in 2013-2014. Mitchell spent his last four years in Arizona, and they say he's an inte- he was integral, integral, I like that word, integral in the development of 1,200-yard rusher David Johnson, who almost had 100 yards from scrimmage every game, except they got hurt in game 16. But for, we went 15 straight weeks with at least 100 yards from scrimmage rushing and receiving. And he got the nickname Stump because he was tougher than a stump on a football field. He played at Citadel, was a ninth-round pick, number 226, by the St. Louis Cardinals. And I, I, I saw them play back then. I, when I used to go to Giant games, I used to see the Giants play the St. Louis Cardinals. That's how that, – I'm talking old school. Played nine season. Now they have him. They have Denard Wilson, the new defensive back coach. You have Kevin Green, the linebacker coach. But they still don't have a quarterback coach. But now they might have Deshaun – well, he's not going to drop the six. But – Exciting times, right? Jets, some exciting stuff coming our way? No, I don't know. But hey, 
My father today showed me the post where they showed uh, Billy Hernan Gomez flexing on on the back page. My father goes, what are they flexing about? They just beat the worst team in basketball. I said, Pops, you got it right. They won 95-90 last night over the Brooklyn Nets. And they said the trade is still being trying to be worked out for Carmelo for Kevin Love. I don't like that trade at all. And Carmelo had 15 points, 6-22 shooting, and only three quarters. He sat the whole fourth quarter. They actually were down 10 in the fourth. And then they went on a 24 run. And Anthony was on the bench, and he says, hey, guys are rolling. No need, no need for, for us to get back in and break up what they had. But still. And Sasha Vujicic had 12 points, and he had four point plays twice. He had two four-point plays in the second and fourth periods. First time, two in, the, in one game in Knicks franchise history. How about this? How about that? Porzingis had 12 of his 19 in the fourth. Aaron Gomez had eight in the fourth. Aaron Gomez had in his... Off the bench, had 16 points, 16 rebounds. Knicks are now 22-29. Nets, 9-40. and 40. Oof. And Kenny Atkinson said a good thing. He said, we're off Broadway right now, and we're trying to get back on. <laughs> and think about it. They had uh, Randy Foyer, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Brooke Lopez. That was part of their starting lineup. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson had 16 points, 8 rebounds. Bogdanovich at 15. Trevor Booker, for the first time in after 43 games starting, came off the bench, 12 points, 8 rebounds. Karis Levert had 10 points. Lopez, 10.6 rebounds. Isaiah Whitehead played 23 minutes, 4 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, plus 11 for the game. And the Nets gave up 21 offensive rebounds, 7 by Hernan Gomez. I mean, you know what, come on. They're not a good team. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I mean, they didn't, they didn't, they sat Carmelo. Guy Ryan, I work with, Ryan said, this could be the beginning of the end of Carmelo. You know, I am not going to disagree on that front. No. Knicks are off tonight. Knicks are off until Saturday. Nets are playing tomorrow. Yeah, Nets are playing tomorrow. Not that every, I know, I know everybody's really psyched to see what the, what the, Yeah, the Knicks play the oh play host the Cavaliers on Sunday on Saturday night, eight thirty p.m. That should be ugly. And the Nets host the Pacers tomorrow. Ooh, Knicks Cavaliers. That should be ugly. All right, Super Bowl. Matt Ryan. You know what's going to be something that might help him in the game? He's great at exploiting one-on-one situations. And center Alex Mack. Lynchpin of the outside zone rushing attack. Big reason why Falcons are in the Super Bowl. Now, this is the thing. The Pats tend to line up directly over the guard, which takes away the outside rushing zones, which means they're going to have to run more inside. And for the Falcons to succeed, they're going to have to run the ball inside. We'll see what happens on Sunday. And safety, Keanu Neal. Rookie this year was picked uh, 17th in the draft, round one out of Florida. He could be one-on-one with Martellus Bennett Sunday. Also key to fighting the Pats' in interior passing game, which is a big part of their game. And he's a lot of speed. That's what they do. Coleman and Freeman each had over 400 yards receiving this year. The only team that had two running backs to do that this year. And Mohamed Sanu will be featured in the Renzo. Now his size should overcome the physicality of his, his former roommate at, at Rutgers, Logan Ryan. 
We shall, you know, I'm excited. You know, we were talking today. It could be a blowout. Everybody kind of wants to see Goodell give Brady the trophy, but everybody would love to see the Falcons blow him. I mean, I would. But part of me would love to see Goodell have to squirm it up there because he doesn't he doesn't want to talk about it. He's oh everything's okay. Bullshit. Brady, Brady's Brady would love to get the ring. Would like to get the ring and get that trophy handed to him. He would love it. And I know it would make you feel uncomfortable as hell, Goodell. You're just a politician. That's all you are. A very rich politician. Now, Ohio State safety Malik Hooker, who is rated by Todd McShay, the number two safety in the draft, had multiple surgeries, and he's going to miss the combine. Surgery on his labrum and hernia. The combine is February 28th through March 6th. I'd love to go to it. I've always wanted to go to it. Had seven interceptions and an FBS best. Three of them returned for touchdowns this year. 74 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss this year. And I this this is this is justice. Joe McKnight, the shooter, Ronald Glasser, you know, who shot him at the road rage incident, charged with second-degree murder, faces life in prison if convicted. Yeah, I think that's a done deal. And I was just talking about Deshaun Watson. Well, he wants to throw at the combine. Didn't skip the senior bowl to discourage Browns from taking him. He was training in California, wanted to get started on the draft process. I think I'm going to call bullshit on that one. I, you know, I know you want to get started in the draft process, but isn't the senior bowl kind of the draft process? I mean, you know, wouldn't I think I would have liked to have seen you against the best of the best in college. I mean, I know, hey, you had a great game. I know you don't want to get hurt. Why don't you just say that? Why don't you just say, hey, you know what? I wasn't risking millions of dollars to get hurt at the senior bowl. Rather say that than say I had to get ready for the the draft process. Threw for over 4,500 yards this year, 41 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. I guess we'll see what happens. How about this? Pat McAfee, the punter, 29 years old for the Colts. Pro Bowl season last year. Seventh round pick in 2009 out of West Virginia. Eight years in the league. Two-time Pro Bowler overall. He's going to retire to work for Barstool Sports. Has two years left on a five-year, $14.5 million contract that he signed in 2014. Wow. No mas, huh? Decided I don't want to play anymore. And he says, I've made stupid decisions in the past. I'd say a punter giving up uh, over over two mil- almost $3 million, Let's just say $3 million a year to give up another $6 million to work for Barstool Sports. A punter? Yeah, I'd call that a stupid decision. But I'm not inside of him. No judgment. Just perplexed. All right. UConn last night, 96 straight. They won at Temple, 97-69. Nafisa Collier, 25 points, 12 of 14 from the floor, 10 rebounds. UConn, 21-0, 9-0 in the American Athletic Conference. Temple fell to 16-5, 6-2. And Kansas, which is having some off-the-court issues, they beat... Number three, Kansas beat number two, Baylor, at Kansas, 73-68. Josh Jackson for Kansas had 23-10 rebounds. And Frank Mason III, with, that's a great name, 19 points, should be a singer. Kansas, game ahead in the Big 12. Kansas improved to 20-2, 8-1 in the Big 12. Baylor fell to 20-2, 7-2 in the Big 12. Doesn't matter, they're both going to go to the tournament. And Villanova won, number four Villanova won at Providence. Jalen Brunson, 15 of his 21 in the second half. Nova improved to 21-2, 8-2 in the Big East. Providence fell to 14-10, 4-7. And Baylor women beat Iowa State 83-52. Close game. Baylor 22-1, 11-0 in the Big 12. Iowa State fell to 12-10, 3-8. Baylor's 20th straight win. And this just came in. 
I mean, I, I love, look at this. 96 straight wins for UConn. 96 straight. Baylor's women's team, 20 straight wins. You have the Baylor men who are three. The Baylor women, I mean, 20 wins for the men, 22 wins for the women. Women, 20 straight win, win, win streak. That's awesome. And Coach K is, that's what just came through, co- going to coach Saturday at home versus Pittsburgh. Duke went 4-3 and three in his absence. I guess he was so pissed how they're playing. He's like, F this. I'm getting back on the damn court. Get this going. Yesterday was a sign. Uh, what was it called? Yeah, the uh, college sign day, whatever. It was the big, it was, it was, all the kids were signing. I mean, you saw, it was like they were going, they were going to the NFL draft. You should have seen. It's funny, you know, the top 300, the five star. I'm always curious how many of those guys actually turn out to go to the pros, but hey, let them have their day. Bama, number one recruiting class, seven of the top 34 players rated by 247 Sports. Running back Najee Harris, offensive tackle Alex Weatherford, and Jedrick Willis, and outside linebacker Dylan Moses, and wide receiver Jerry Judy. How about that? Seven of the top 34 in this one ratings uh, ratings website, 247 Sports. He just gets restock in Nick Saban, and he's pissed that he lost that game to, to Clemson. That's going to eat him up. It's been eating him up. He wants to get back with a vengeance. He is pissed. Cavs last night beat the T-Wolves 125-97. LeBron had 27. Kyrie Irvin had 14 points, 14 assists. And they're now 14-0 last three years when Kyrie Irving has 10-plus assists in a game. Cavs improved to 33 and 15. T Wolves fell to 19 and 30. Celtics 109 104 over the Raptors in Boston. Isaiah Thomas, another great fourth quarter. 19 of his 44 in the fourth. Had a big game earlier this week. I mean, he's playing like a beast, man. Boston, fifth straight win. They're one and a half games ahead of the Raptors in the Atlantic Division. Boston's 31 and 18. Toronto's 30 and 20. And how about this? Golden State, 126 111 over. The Hornets in Golden State. Curry played three quarters, 39 points, 14 to 26, 11 of 15 on threes. The 41 and 7. The Golden State's 41 and 7. Hornets fell to 23 and 27. Clay Thompson had 29, 6 for 10 for 3. Katie had 18 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. Draymond Green, listen to this stat sheet. 8 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 blocks. Now, 11 for 15 for 3, Curry was too shy of his NBA record he set November 7th versus New Orleans. 39 points without a free throw. That's the most by a Golden State player since, I, I know, I'm a stat man, since Rick Barry scored 40 on April 4th, 1977. That's a long time ago, folks. Also, Golden State 21 of 48 from 3, 3 shy of the NBA record. How about that? Curry... Against the Hornets, which his dad is a broadcaster for the Hornets. He's averaged over 27 a game all time versus the Hornets. And Golden State is 8-0 versus the Eastern Conference at home this year. Hornets on a 16 losing streak. They've lost 11 of the last 14. Frank Kaminsky third, like, you know, the third. 24 off the bench for the Hornets. And Klay Thompson is going to defend his three-point contest during the All-Star Weekend. And 2015 champ Steph Curry is saying, hey, I'm going to mull it over. That's uh, the, the All-Star Weekend. The three-point contest will be Saturday, February 18th in New Orleans. And the All-Star Game is Sunday the 19th. And Magic Johnson 
is going to be a Lakers advisor. Going to assist Jeannie Buss in all areas of basketball and business. He, he vows to help the franchise rejoin NBA's elite. Vows. That's a vow, man. Was that a blood vow or was that a vow? I don't know. It sounds like good stuff. Yep, that's my dog. My crazy freaking dog. Okay, Bucks trade Mile, Miles Plumley to the Hornets on Thursday for big men Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert. Now, now Plum, Plum, Plumley, four years, fifty million over the summer, but he wasn't getting steady playing time. Only thirty-two games this year, twelve starts, averaged two point six a year. So, wow. So he's making twelve point five million a year, and he's averaging two point six points per game. I gotta get it. I gotta be tall, and I'll get a job like that. Roy Hibbert, Steve Clifford, and the Hornets kind of fell out of the reto- fell out of the rotation. Five point two points, three point six rebounds. He was a beast a couple of years ago. Forty two games. He's on a one year five million dollar deal. And Hawes seven point three points, four point two rebounds. Thirty five games, twenty nine percent on threes, lowest in seven years. He's a player option for next year for six million. We'll see if he takes it. But this would suck. They waved Steve Novak, the Bucks, and I always liked him. Averaging under a point a game. Remember when he was a three-point shooter? You know, he did some good stuff, man. You know, I, I, I miss him. I, I miss him in New York. And former All-Pro running back and might be a Hall of Famer this weekend, Ladanian Tomlinson will wave the green flag for the start of the Daytona 500 on February 26th. I wonder how he got picked for that. I don't know. Sounds kind of interesting, right? Now, as I said, 12 days until pitchers and catchers report. That's pretty cool, right? That is pretty cool. I jumped the gun there. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods shot a 5 over 77. First round of Dubai, Desert Classic. Second tournament since returning to golf. Looks like he's going to miss the cut two tournaments in a row. All right. Yesterday's trivia question. What coach has the most wins in NHL history? Scotty Bowman with 1,244 wins. And tonight's trivia question. The longest pass play in Super Bowl history. Folks, have a great night. I'll be back. Hope you enjoyed some of the stories today. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. JD, JD Talking Sports. Drop the G. Also, subscribe to my show on iTunes. JD Talking Sports. Drop the G. All right. Tonight, FDU's playing as we speak. They're home against... They're home against... Who are they home against? Oh, sorry, Isaac. They are playing... The game started 15 minutes ago. They are playing Sacred Heart at home. I don't have, I don't have an update for you. But if I did, I'd give it to you. All right. Super Bowl, three days away. We're less than... 2440. We're 72, 71, 71 hours, like 71 hours and 15 minutes away from game time. But who's counting? All right. Have a good night. Talk to you soon. Peace out.